Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge technology and free shipping on everything. Again, that's dell.com deals. This is the Rich Eisen Show. I love it. That's my dude. Rich Eisen. He's a terrific communicator. I know. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. There's no LeBron and there's no Steph Curry and there's no Kevin Durant and there's no Kyrie Irving and there's no James Harden. And these are the shrug emoji NBA playoffs. The Rich Eisen Show. Today's guests from NFL Films, Greg Cosell, co-host of ESPN's Pardon the Interruption, Michael Wilbur. Actor Nick Turturro. Plus, actor Colin Hanks. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show on the air. We spent the first hour discussing the NBA playoffs over the weekend. We also spent the first hour talking about what Scottie Pippen uh, told our colleague and friend Dan Patrick preceding this show every single day on NBC Sports on Peacock and proceeding this show every day on NBC Sports Audio on Sirius XM Channel 211. We say hello to all those watching us on uh, those formats or this Rich Eisen Show terrestrial radio affiliate um, and this radio uh, station smart enough to have us is the way I like to put it. Odyssey is how you can stream us every single day for free coast to coast as well. Um, All of our guests are coming up in this hour and next hour. Um, And part of our guests is you. At eight four four two zero four, Rich being the number to dial. Hour number two, uh, hour number three. Uh, we have uh, Colin Hanks calling into the program. He's a diehard Kings fan. Wants to talk about the '93 Stanley Cup Kings loss to the Montreal Canadiens. The last time Montreal was in the Cup final, um, and Kings fans thought they got uh, hosed because of uh, Marty McSorley uh, having his stick looked at out of the clear blue sky in game two of that series. And the curse of Marty McSorley still reigns over the entire city of uh, Montreal and um, country of Canada. I can't wait for Colin to give you that story as Montreal takes on Toronto tonight in game one of the Stanley Cup final. Nick Taturo, who is uh, livid over his Yankees, what's the word for it? Sucking. Um, <laughs> Uh, that will be hopefully as stringent a word as he will use. He might uh, transpose the first letter uh, of that word um, as he does on his Twitter feed many times. But he's going to join us in studio. He's coming in. I'm going to awesome. help him. Wow. We're going to help each other. We're going to help each other. I figured I'd give you a gift, Chris. It's a second consecutive well, Yankees sweep of the Red Sox. I will say. I mean, Red Sox sweep of the Yankees. Not to pat myself on the back here, but uh, I think I've been very constrained in my gloating. It's okay. You can you know, gloat all you want. It's still re- regular season baseball, and I don't follow the sport anymore, so what is it even <laughs> worth it? Why is it even worth it? 
Um, <laughs> Michael Wilbon's going to join us in about 18 minutes' time. But uh, I wanted to get uh, this gent on the phone line because I was poking around today when um, the announcement came. Uh, and we've heard many of these announcements in the past when somebody gets named that for enshrinement in a sports hall of fame. And you're like, how the hell is that person not in yet? I thought that person would be in. In the broadcaster's wing for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the voice of God, as he was referred to many times, uh, for NFL films for all those years, John Facenda, um, he's going in posthumously. He passed away in the early 80s. And I poked around at NFL films. I'm like, who, who worked with him? Who's still there at NFL films today? And sure enough, it, it was the person who I thought it would be. Uh, the senior producer of NFL Films, who's on all the time on this program, but uh, now here in late June, Greg Cosell here on The Rich Eisen Show. How are you doing, Greg? Rich, good to be with you as always. I am pleased to have you here. So what's your recollection of John Facenda, Greg Cosell? Well, it's funny. I have a number of recollections, Rich. Number one is I was the last one to work with him before he unfortunately passed, which was in 1984. And I had to go to his house because he could no longer make the journey uh, from his home to NFL Films. And uh, I remember working with him that day, and it was evident that he was just not quite the same guy, but uh, he was John Facenda. Uh, but my probably my most vivid memories are when I first started. I started at NFL Films in 1979. And uh, probably got the opportunity to start working with John in, oh, 1980, I would say. And I was young. I was just really learning the documentary filmmaking business and did not have a whole lot of confidence in myself writing scripts. I'd written a ton of papers in college, but writing scripts to be read is far different than writing papers. And I remember writing my first number of scripts, and, and John would read them. And I, I, I just remember Rich being so, so nervous going into the booth with John Facenda. Um, and obviously, I did not grow up in Philadelphia, but John Facenda was essentially the Walter Cronkite of Philadelphia. For people who remember when one person sat at a desk and just read the news, that's the way local news was as well back in the day. So John Facenda was in Philadelphia, really the Walter Cronkite of Philadelphia. And I just remember going into that booth, because you go into a little booth, you know, you've done a ton of narrations in your career, and there's just the two of you sitting there, and you feel very enclosed, very claustrophobic, and people are looking at you, and he would read your script, and I was so nervous that he would just, you know, kind of look at me like, uh, oh, this really isn't very good. And all you waited to hear John Facenda say to you, because it was one of his favorite expressions, was, you've given me a good horse to ride. And if John Facenda said that to you, all was right in the world. I could just imagine the way you've given me a good horse to ride. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, I heard that a few times, you know. <laughs> well, that is great. Good horse to ride. Oh, my gosh. And then, of course, the number of horses that he rode, um, Figuratively, obviously, the way you just said it, Greg Cosell, as written by Steve Sable. I mean, The Autumn Wind is a poem that Steve Sable oh, wrote. Yeah. I mean, what a combination. And the fact that Steve, due to the pandemic, his enshrinement was delayed to this to this summer. He was named last year. Right. They're going to go in together. I mean, how incredible is that? I and know. Ed's already there, too. That's incredible. Yep. That's remarkable. No, it's, it's phenomenal. And it's, uh, it's funny because I miss Steve every day. I come into the building here at NFL Films because he was really my mentor. He was the one who encouraged me to do so many things that fortunately turned out well. But, you know, it's funny getting back to John for a minute. Sure. You, you almost had to really work hard to write a script for him because it, it would have been easy just to write anything. And you could say to yourself, John's going to make it sound great. <laughs> right. 
you know, which was true, really. But sometimes you just had to kind of say to yourself, no, 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 I can, I can write better lines than what I just wrote, even though John could make anything sound like it came from the mountaintop. Uh, but, you know, he was, he was just... The thing, though, that... And like Steve, it's funny that you were talking about them together. Of course. Just a genuine human being. That was the thing. It's just like with Steve. I mean, there's so much people who didn't know Steve will remember about him and the impact NFL Films has had in our lives. But Steve was such a genuine, caring human being. And John Facenda was the exact same kind of person. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, Greg. Do you remember your your favorite line, the best horse that you gave him to ride? Oh, that- no. That was a, that was a long time ago. <laughs> Rich, I, I can't remember that. You know, because back then, um, you know, you start out doing high like films here at NFL Films, really, to, 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 to learn how to make a film. Right. Because, you know, we do a highlight film for every um, uh, you know, every team in the league. We still do it. And in, in the early days, uh, when you were young and starting out, you would do three every offseason. I remember my first five, six years, I would do three highlight films every offseason. And that was the point, to learn how to make a film when you had some kind of deadline. And um, so I don't remember, you know, specific lines. But, of course, I was starting to do other things as I learned the business as well. Um, but no, I, I can't remember any specific lines, but that, that's what you always waited for, the, the good horse to ride. Mm, I love that. And uh, I'm mandated to ask you, did, did your Uncle Howard ever cross paths with John Facenda? You know, that I don't know. Um, You know, the only thing I remember, and, you know, I I was very conscious because of who I was, you know, my name, that I did not want my uncle to be involved any time I was, you know, when I came out of college and was looking for a job, because I did not want that to be the reason I got a job. But because my uncle and Ed Sable were close friends, I did find out later on that they did speak, and 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 I don't know what they spoke about. I, I'm, I'm hoping uh, that my uncle said good things. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you but mean I, like I, he I, told it like it was about you too, Greg? Uh, Is that what you're saying? I, I would imagine so. I would imagine so. But um, uh, but I remember, you know, speaking of my uncle, the highlight, one of my highlights was when he wrote his first book. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember he was talking about college sports. And uh, obviously that was the same is true today, but it was certainly going on back then where college sports had started to be about money and with the scholarships and the whole deal. And and I was in college at the time he wrote his his first book. So we're talking 74 to 78, Mm -hmm. somewhere around there. And I remember he wrote about me on a page or two because I went to Amherst College where they don't give athletic scholarships, but I did play sports. And I guess he was using me as an example of what it was supposed to be, Ah. the way he saw it. Okay. Was that that I never played the game? Was that the book? I believe that was the first one, yes. I never played the game. I had that. I had a copy of that. Uh, I mean, you know, I definitely read that, Greg. No doubt about that. Uh, before I let you go, what film are you looking at? Give me give me something. What are you doing right now? Greg? Well, actually, believe it or not, I'm on vacation. But because I don't have anywhere to go right now, I've been coming into the office and just kind of, you know, revisiting things from a year ago. I, I just spent it. this morning watching Jalen Hurts, yeah. you know, his last four starts. Okay. Because uh, so, obviously it appears he'll be the starting quarterback for the Eagles. So I'm actually going to jump into watching Joe Burrow. The nice thing about doing this is I can pick and choose whatever I want to watch. So of course. I'm not going to watch all 400 of Joe Burrow's throws. So I'll pick, you know, I'll watch third down. You know, I, I watch whatever I kind of care to watch because I can. What a hell of a vacation, Greg. That's amazing. So what do you see from Jalen Hurts? What, what, what'd you say? First blush? Uh, you, you know, mean? I think there's going to be a lot of work to do, to be honest with you. I, I think he's, you know, very 
symptomatic of quarterbacks that have always been able to move around, and I think he leaves the pocket prematurely. Um, I don't think he has a really good feel at this point. Mm. Don't forget, he only started four games. and right. not defining his career. Um, I don't think he has a feel right now for playing from the pocket as it gets later in the down. Um, he leaves a lot of throws on the field because of that. So uh, it'll be interesting. It's, and he has to learn a new offense. So it's, it'll be an interesting year for, for Jalen Hurts. Uh, it's my understanding he'll be the starting quarterback. I, mean, I don't think there's really a competition. I think it'll be him. But he's got some work to do. I mean, it's definitely going to be him, right? I mean, Flacco's not going to beat him out. No, right? I don't think I mean, it's going to be Joe Flacco. Right. I mean, so it's going to be Hurts, and then he's got this year to figure it out before they use all those draft picks Yep. that they have in the following first round that'll be probably three based on our assumption that Wentz is going to be playing as much as we expect him to in Indianapolis, that they'll either draft one or maybe use it to go acquire one. You never well, that know. that will depend, I guess, on Hertz. If Hertz ends up developing and, and playing you know, well and it appears he'll be the guy, then right. they, I mean, they may draft one later, but they wouldn't have to take one early if that were the case. Greg, thanks for the time. Appreciate the memories. I just figured uh, just talking for Senda with you a little oh, bit. Oh, no, I, I appreciate today. it, Rich. Thanks for reaching out. Of course. That's Greg Cosell. Follow him on Twitter. I do it at Greg Cosell. You should follow him, too. It was fun. I, I think of Steve Sable all the time. The number of times that he would just, he, we would, we would call him up and just, and I would call him up too. I would call him up. I would call up Steve Sable. I'm like, you know, this happened in the NFL. Like you got a good story off of that. A good, right. And he would like four or five different stories and it would be off the top of his beautiful brain of his. Oh, so many. Unbelievable. And Facenda's going in. Who the hell? I mean, and again, he was the local guy turning to the weather. You know, like literally he was the local guy in Philadelphia. And Ed Sable's like, he's got a great voice. Let's great have, voice. let's have him do our films. Amazing. And then Steve would write stuff for him, like the autumn wind is a pirate. Spiraling football, tight shot, widening out, Facenda's voice, Sable's l- language, sometimes Greg Cosell's. Incredible. Can you imagine he says, you've given me a great horse to ride. I just want that line. In, in, in the Facenda voice. And Steve told me, Sable told me years ago, that there are a bunch of outtakes of Facenda cursing up a red storm. Just, you know, cursing at himself for screwing up a take. One of our great fantasies. Oh, guys. my gosh. Working, Facenda working blue would be Facenda something I'd take. All right, let's take this call real quick. Jeff in Detroit before we take our break and uh, and have uh, Mr. Wilbon join us. How you been, Jeff? Hey, wonderful. Um, hey, cousins. How's everything going? Yo, yo, so, going on? Jeff, what up, though? Listen, nothing much, nothing much. I wanted to talk real quick about Scottie Pippen. When you're the 50, one of the 50th greatest players, you usually speak with reverence, honor, insight. It seems like that guy's holding on to some things, man. He really and truly is. And I got a question for you uh, real quick. What's the hardest statement for you to believe right now? If I would have told you this at the beginning of the playoffs, Reggie Jackson is the MVP for the Lakers. The Brooklyn Nets would not, would not, even make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, or there's a player that's guaranteed $177 million that passes up a wide-open dunk because he's scared to get fouled and have to go to the line. What's the craziest? I, I would I would yeah. say Reggie Jackson being the MVP of the, of the Clippers. I would say. Because, you know, you never know what the Nets, and you've seen stranger things in the fact that Simmons won't shoot anymore. I don't know that that is certainly you you would believe that Ben Simmons was would disintegrate potentially. I mean, that's not that far fetched, though it is obviously fetched, you know. But back to uh, back back to Scottie Pippen. 
usually when you hear somebody talk, and I mean, even if you don't get a ring like you and a Barkley, you still speak with reverence or, you know, it's like bygones. It seems like they enjoy being one of the 50th greatest players. It almost seems like this guy didn't, if you were to listen to him, you wouldn't think he won anything because he sounds so full of animosity and stuff. Well, just, mm. I, and thanks for the call, Jeff. I mean, not to be a psychoanalyst, but I'll, I'll do it real quick. You imagine you do what you do to get where you get and how self-made you are, small school, drafted, and you make so many big shots and you are absolutely in a team sport, somebody who is one of the best at it, top 50 all time, and you're not even considered remotely in the area code of the best player on the team. And the best player on the team might be very difficult to get along with and doesn't share in the glory as a default. How that must feel. And the one year that the best player that wasn't there and you could be the one to carry the team, you didn't take the last shot. And the coach that was there the entire time, you feel had something against you. Maybe that's the way you go. Again, I don't mean to psychoanalyze anybody. But how many of the other top 50 players that are on that list, that old famed top 50 players, how many of those top 50 players do you look at and say, that's not even the best guy on their team? Stockton? Would you? Maybe? Yeah. I mean, for a while you could say that about Magic. But he was also the first one to go as well, too. Um, in the, in the, you know, it was always Stockton to Malone. He kind of had top billing. True. Well, because he... I know that. He was the one who... <laughs> I, I'm just... But I'm just talking about yeah. TJ in, in just the phraseology that we use as fans referring to him. Mm-hmm. Not like he's the best. He's better than Malone. It was always, hey, it was Stockton Malone. More than it was Malone. It was Stockton and Malone. Right. I'm just talking about how it can mess with somebody's head. Makes sense. Let's take a break. Michael Wilbon will join us next right on this program. So much to talk about with one of my favorites, the great Hall of Famer, Michael Wilbon. will join us next. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. And I should know, they kept my car on the road, and they do it with a smile on their face. They offer friendly service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. And that comes in... So welcome when your car needs to be put back together and they do it with a smile so you know you're being taken care of. They got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. And guess what? You should not miss Power Torque Tools DIY days at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Power Torque hand tools come in with a lifetime guarantee. And right now, you can save big on Power Torque hand tools, power tools, jacks, and more. Get great deals on a wide range of power torque jacks and jack stands, including two-ton jack stands and up to three-and-a-half-ton floor jacks. Let the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts help you find the right power torque tools for your next DIY project. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eisen. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Your process in in coming up with these videos um, right upon the Cowboys' uh, misery just piling on. There's no real process. I mean, it, 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 hits, me, it hits me naturally. Um, it's, it's very impromptu. It's separaneous right off the cuff. Yes. I sincerely mean from the bottom of my heart, I don't care whether you're young or old, black, white, Hispanic, doesn't matter to me. I think that Dallas Cowboys fans are the worst, most disgusting, most nauseating fan base in American <laughs> history. Nobody disgusts me more than a Cowboys fan because they never, ever, ever take a moment to smell their own own stench. This is a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl since 1995, and they walk around like they're the reigning defending Super Bowl champions every single year. I've got a Dallas Cowboy fan here, Rich Eisen Show, social media uh, extraordinaire uh, grandmaster TJ Jefferson, um, who... My condolences to him. He is reasonable. I do want to say that. I mean, you're right, but you did say five years ago, though, you were thoroughly just like every other Cowboy fan that Stephen A. has received. I, I probably resembled the remarks that he made. Okay. You know, but I mean, nobody feels that way anymore, man. <laughs> and I, really? I'm on Cowboys Twitter a lot. I don't I see a bunch of angry and annoyed Cowboy fans. I don't see Cowboys fans like walking around like oh. thinking we're the Chiefs or something like. Yeah. What do you think, Steve? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I don't know you. I don't know you. And I don't mean to cast any aspersions on you as a human being. I'm sure you're very nice. A highly intelligent dude, but for this particular subject, you are a damn liar. <laughs> no way. There is no way that you can say with a straight face that you don't run into cowboy fans. Think like this: cowboy fans are the most arrogant, disgusting, oh, nauseating is... fan base you could possibly find. You never take a second to smell your own stuff. And I'm just looking at here. You know, one of the great, great moments that I had. Yes. All right. Remember 2010 when you ended up going six and ten. But then those weren't my favorite years with the Cowboys. Because I actually liked the Cowboys when the playmaker and Emmitt Smith, Troy Aikman were there and stuff. And Primetime came over to San Francisco and all of this other stuff. But here was my favorite moment. 2011, 2012, 2013. Not only did the Dallas Cowboys finish 8-8 eight and eight each season, they had the last game of the regular season with the division crown on the line. And lost all three years to each of the teams in the division. It doesn't get much sweeter than that. And even then, y'all still walk around. We'll be back next year. You, you, you'll see. You'll see. Oh, man. Stephen A., as good as they come. YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for our full archive. Back here on NBC Sports on Peacock and this Rich Eisen Show radio network, terrestrial, satellite, and streaming. Uh, pleased to have back here one of my favorite people that I'm so thrilled to be able to call a friend and for the first time on this program, a Hall of Famer officially from ESPN and their NBA coverage and the terrific, pardon the interruption, our friend Michael Wilbon. How are you, sir? Rich, I'm pretty good. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there. So uh, there's so much going on. My gosh, I'm just going to dive right into it if you don't mind. Uh, did you see what Scottie Pippen had to say on our friend uh, DP's show today? I, I just, I, I just saw it. Uh, luckily, thankfully for you, I, I was, 
I was starting a sleep marathon uh, last night when I got back from uh, from Clippers Suns, and that 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 was going to mean about fifteen hours to catch up on days without it. And so I saw nothing on my own. Thankfully, your producer sent me this. Um, I say thankfully, so I can be aware. And I just looked at it and shook my head, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I, I talk to Scotty occasionally, um, and sometimes, like during previous seasons, it'd be more than occasionally because we would work together on on Rachel's show on the Jump, and and um, known Scotty for a, you know a long, long time. I, I, I don't have any extra knowledge. I have no special intel on this. I looked at it and went what like probably most people did so i'm just i'm just catching up and i know we're all going to have to react to it and to whatever comes from it the reactions to the reactions but um yeah i'm just i'm just now seeing it you know a half an hour or so so what were your boots on the ground recollection of the ku coach and pippin moment back in the day um well look it, it was it was the <laughs> it was as dramatic as as the nba can get um, I was, you know, at the game, um, and immediately I didn't know, I didn't realize that Scotty wasn't on the court coming out of that timeout. And, right. You know, then you look, 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 and you're wondering what's going on. It all happens in a flash. Um, but and there was, you know, there was no social media, of course, to just dissect it over and over and over again a million times in the next, you know, 48 hours. And it was a, it was a, it was, you know, Scotty's low moment, and it's certainly a moment that I know he hated having to relive during the last dance. Um, and I, I did, you know, communicate with him after that. And I, you know, I was one of the people who was critical. You know, how could you, you know, how could you not be? I also think that, you know, that moment, unfortunately, and I, you know, I could talk to Scotty about it, that, that, that game, that moment, um, you know, it, it, it colored him for a long time. And I thought, I came to think, Rich, that, it, it couldn't be the only thing that, that made us think a certain way about Scottie Pippen because he did win six. He didn't win one. He didn't win two. He won six. And, and Michael never won without him. And Scottie went on to play for a team that should have been in the NBA Finals. You know, the Portland Trailblazers with a 19-point lead in the fourth quarter of a, of a game seven against the Lakers, Kobe and Shaq. And that, I don't know how that winning and getting to the Finals, is, it's interesting how that might have changed further the narrative but i thought we were away from this i mm. thought i thought we were away from this i thought i have i have said written publicly I've said to scotty i'm not going to solely judge you by a worse moment none of us wants to be judged that way and his career has too much else in it the resume is too full and you know now i hear this i don't i don't i don't, I don't know what to think yet Michael Wilbon here on the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, just for, you know, um, completion uh, for the moment, uh, Pippen has just tweeted out, I'm just answering the questions y'all asking me. You wanted the headlines, you got them. Dig deeper to find out why I actually said what I said instead of framing your questions to get clicks. It's all love, as with a heart emoji. Um what do you think that means? Dig deeper to find out. I, I, I do. Here's one thing I learned not to do, Rich. Uh, put too much into answers that come via social media. It's not discussion. It's social media. I don't know what it means. I can't, I can't tell you what it means. I can react to who I think Phil Jackson is and was in, in my experience. And I did not. I was not around Phil every day. The people who 
the people who I will listen to on this will be, uh, and care what they say, are the people who played for Phil and mm-hmm. worked with him. So, you know, I, I know those men, um, obviously starting with Michael Jordan, who will be asked. I don't know how he will weigh in, but he will be asked. <laughs> right. Um, and so many others, Ron Harper, who I know well. I want to hear what Ron Harper has to say. I want to hear what B.J. Armstrong has to say. I want to hear what Steve Kerr, you know, and Tony Kukoc. Um, I, I wouldn't mind, you know, I've been on a golf course a few times with Tony, Kuk- Tony Kukoc, which is a five-hour fun fest. I, I, I would love to have four hours or five hours of access to Tony today. Um, so I, I'm not going to, I, I don't, I'm not too old and too not of the generation to spend hours, even minutes trying to figure out what people are saying with emojis and, you know, secret phrases that are not meant for me. They're meant for my 13 year old son. <laughs> I, I, I don't, Michael. I, I, I can't do that, but, but I want, I, I want to hear, uh, in, in order to be able to engage, cause we're going to have to, but it, it won't come. I don't know what. All love means. I mean, it's a, everybody utters these phrases these days, and, and it usually means nothing. And you have to get beneath it. I guess the, it is asking the questions, it's, it's, but it's going to be asking the questions of Scotty as well as the men who are on that team. Right. And so, I guess the last one for you on this subject before we go to the here and now, then Michael Wilbon, is what 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 can you tell me about the Pip and Jordan relationship? Because it's clearly something that Pip, Pippen also said to Dan that the. The NBA uh, entertainment cameras that picked up the huddle in which Michael was seeming to be absolutely fine, as well as be at the forefront of setting Kerr up for a winning shot that we all know in the last dance about uh, was a setup. It was Jordan knowing that the cameras were there and that he would control it for a documentary. And uh, uh, there just seems to be a lot of com- a lot of confusing statements. But it was all. Well, they, have within- a, they, they have a complex. They, they've had a complex relationship. I don't think that's any. We, we saw that in the documentary, uh, which explains it much more than any, you know, individual statements will. We saw that. And, and, you know, there was a time where they didn't, I, you know, I don't know that it was ever, in my view, hostile. It was just they are very different people. They had a complex relationship in which Michael, we, we know from the last dance how demanding Michael was. Scotty Pippen, but we know of Steve Kerr. You know, we, we, we know those stories now. Um, and I, I, I believe, I, I know that some of that, the reliving of that hurt Scott. I, that I know, um, that it hurt him. The, re, the reliving of these moments mm. that hurt in the beginning. If, if they were complex and they hurt 30 years ago, then we know what they must feel like 30 years later. Um, they were never the best of friends. I mean, there were people on the team that Michael was closer to, B.J. Armstrong. I mean, there were people on the team that, you know, the irony of Scotty and Kukoc and that whole thing in the Olympics and the Dream Team is that, Scott, that, that Tony Kukoc and Scotty became very close. Um, and, you know, when you mentioned Scotty too, Tony, he, would, he always called him Pip, and he'd have a smile on his face. And Scotty became very much his big brother, um, in my, as, as I interpret it from both of them. Um, so, but these things are not, they're not going to change, right? The relationships that you can't undo the relationships. You can't redo the relationships. There's no mulligan, you know, um, pun intended on these relationships. They were complex a year ago when we finished watching the last dance right about now, or maybe a month earlier. Right. And, um, so this is what it is. And, 
there was less examination of Phil and the guys. I mean, Michael has told me to get to Phil for a second. Um, he told me that the, the three most important men in his life, and I quoted him somewhere doing this in the Washington Post, um, in live time that the three most important men in his life were his father, Dean Smith, and, and Phil Jackson. Um, and in the context, we, I'd have to go back and get the context. I don't know if the context was, well, it couldn't be solely basketball because his dad right. was a headliner. And obviously we know that that comes as no secret. Um, so that relationship maybe was less complex. I don't, I don't, I don't know that all of us know, maybe the Chicago beat writers know a ton about Phil's relationship with Scotty other than 1.8 seconds, maybe. Michael Wilbon uh-huh. here on the Rich Eisen Show. Pardon the interruption and, of course, the NBA coverage that we're, we're locked into uh, with it appearing to be. Michael, is it fair to say we're, we got Suns Bucks uh, on the horizon, to use, no. I guess, a phrase? Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not, no. You won't do that. No. You won't go there. I mean, I, I think the, I think the, look, I picked the Suns in seven. Um, and I think the, you know, the, come on, the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard are, Reduced. There's no question about that. It's like the Suns without Chris Paul, with Chris Paul even injured during that Lakers series or without him for the first two games of this series. And I thought the Clippers had to get at least one of those two games, and they didn't, to win, to, to beat uh, the Suns in this series. And the Clippers didn't do that. But, and then I don't trust Milwaukee. I've been following this for three years. I've been watching Milwaukee for three years. They do the oddest, most bizarre things, some, me, would say dumb. When people are just jacking up threes every few games, they just not even sometimes back to back games. I don't trust the Bucks. I have to see them win it. Atlanta should have won that game last night. Atlanta should be up two one. And I'm not hearing that Atlanta can't. You know, Tony, my you know my partner in crime says you know when they lost game one, he goes they're not they're not losing another game. Milwaukee's going to sweep. I know Charles. So two of the people I'm closest to in life mm-hmm. uh, when talking about sports believe Atlanta was not going to win another game. I don't believe that because I don't trust the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, there's too many bizarre things over the last few seasons, and particularly this postseason. And the Clippers, Rich, they're tough. They're tough-minded. They're tough physically. They're not better without Kawhi. Nobody's going to say that. They're not as good without Kawhi. But they're tough. They are. Um, and so I don't know. I-, I think the Suns will win tonight, but I'm not loading it up. I think the Suns, let's put it this way. I believe the Suns will win this series. Am I ruling out further drama? No, I'm not. I think they'll win the series. I think they'll win tonight. But this is going to be, it was an alley fight the other night. That was the 1980s basketball it game was. that broke out. Yeah. And so when you have that kind of thing and the other team is willing to initiate and engage in that, eh, I don't know. I think there's, 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 there's more drama to be seen. Maybe it'll just be in a, a close Suns win tonight. It can be that way, too. Well, I guess I'm not, I'm not counting it up. I guess the thing that's most jarring about the Bucks is, can you name me another team where the clear star of the team, the MVP of a league, uh, twice in a row, isn't the closer of the team? Yeah. I mean, w- yeah, it's w- rare. I'd have to, I mean, I'd have to examine every single championship team. Right. You know, I was trying to figure out, you know, was it, you know, was it Kenny Smith and not Akeem? Was it so? There's some of that. I mean, I don't. Sometimes it was Ginobili on those on those Spurs teams, right. and early. You know, it wasn't necessarily David Robinson was a star early, and then it became Duncan, and then sometimes it was Ginobili. So it, it floated, and those are four Hall of Famers on their team. Obviously, it's rare. It's rare, Rich. To your point, 
And in this case, it can't be because you can't have a guy going four for, what was he last night, four for ten? Yeah, right. Foul shooting? It's crazy. So, you, you know, it can't be. And here's the other reason. Look, I, I, I'm sure that how, – how, how do you have a team that you have a guy like Bobby Portis, who's 6'10", who has been in the league for, I don't know, seven years, something like that, seven years, and you don't even play him yeah, for three straight him. games in a series and you're playing against Kevin Durant? How do you not – how do you, if you're Boone Nozzle, how do you not play him at all, not one second? You're looking for long, tall, athletic, experienced bodies to even help out, even if it's to foul Kevin Durant, even if it's to get in his way accidentally, and you don't play him for three games after he's helped you sweep the first series. I don't, I, I, I don't understand anything that Milwaukee does or anything he as a co has. I don't understand anything they do. And so my reaction, I'm not going to say they're bad at it. I'm not. They're not bad at it. They're, 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 they're capable of winning a championship. I don't understand what the hell they're doing most nights. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Wilbon here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's your, what's your uh, viewpoint of Ben Simmons' viability as a sixer moving forward? What do you I think? don't see it. And I don't, and I, and I don't wish it on him. Right. And I'm, I'm conflicted here, Rich. I mean, you know, Doc Rivers is a friend, mm-hmm. not a friend. I'm a, one of my good friends, all right? And I'm biased. I am biased toward Doc Rivers in every episode of these things, going back more years than I care to admit. And when I joke with him, I, I'm not joking. I, I say, people say, how long have you known Doc? I say, well, I've known Doc a lot longer because he had no reason to know who I was on any playground or pickup court ever in life. <laughs> I, I, I knew who he was. And so I root for Doc, right? I don't, I, I, don't root, I don't wish that on Doc Rivers. Ben Simmons is a talent. I had to deal with my own 13-year-old wise guy son who you know, plays point guard and he loves basketball more than he loves his own father. And he came to me about six weeks ago and he said, Dad, Ben Simmons is a liability. And I said, Mike, shut up and go to your room without dinner. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What were you gonna really? You want to play basketball? That's your your hot take, Dad. Ben Simmons is a liability. This went on for weeks at my house, and I had to go to him last week and say, "Okay, you can come out of your room." <laughs> because this was, I, I, I joke, I, but the story is real. I say about my son saying that, and my reaction initially to him. But Rich Ben Simmons, how can you? He needs a new, he needs a change of scenery. I agree. He needs a change. I agree. And I think there are places where he can have that change, and somebody has got to impress upon him. Um, I, I picked out Golden State as an example, just as an example. I'm not trying to do a Warriors bidding and Bob Myers bidding and Steve Kerr's bidding. But that's a place where it seems to me that the roster, the guys on the roster, between the combination of just intellect, basketball intellect, tough love, soft love, whatever you want to call it, you know, mm-hmm. having a combination of, you know, the people that you you know are in that in that organization, that might be a place where he could prosper relatively quickly again. But I don't I don't see it in Philly. In Philly, of all places, mm. Philly. I mean, I mean, I would even wish that on Ben, who seems to be just a, a nice guy. I mean, I've met him a couple of times. I haven't had a ton of exposure to him privately, but I, I just don't wish that on him. And I, I wish him to get his career 
redirect it in the way that we knew it already was. Well, I mean, I don't know if this is apples and oranges um, because, you know, Cam spent many, you know, a, a couple more years in Carolina, but I don't think it was the same the minute that in Super Bowl 50, the ball was on the ground and he kind of flinched at, a, at an old, you know, the game was kind of over anyway. Denver was going to win that Super Bowl. But yeah. it, 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 you know, and then his reaction to the media afterwards, he wasn't the same quarterback there. I mean, he did have half a season before he got hurt. I don't know if it's apples and oranges, but 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 well, but Simmons passing up that dunk, passing up that dunk, and passing it off. I mean, that was yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I think his was more psychological than. But I could be wrong. It's an interesting analogy you raised because I got I hadn't thought of that play in years. I I by that point I thought that even though that was a few years ago, he he'd been put through so much punishment. The flinch was actually it was physical more than maybe psychological. It was like what is good. You know what is going to come yep. when you. Get in that position with in Von that Miller. Position that he was in, right? Yeah, and 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 who I don't even remember who else was in the potential scrum coming at him, but Ben's is psycho. Ben's ain't physical. I mean, it's 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 a, it's psychological. I mean, there's no. I mean, yeah, we're all playing. You know, you know, psychology one on one armchair quarterback. Okay, fine. But when you don't dunk the ball because you're worried about being fouled by Trey Young. Mm. Then you 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 don't want to be fouled. This is not even open for debate. You don't want to be fouled in that moment because you don't want to have to go to the free throw line. And so he's there's so many things there. Can he be helped? And could it work in Philly? Yes. I'm not saying it cannot work in Philadelphia. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I don't wish that recovery on him in Philadelphia. <laughs> I don't. I mean, what you know, you know what's yep. rich. No, I know. You know what that's like in that town. Of course, especially since even if he does stay there and have a terrific regular season, all it takes is one moment like that yes. in his first playoff yes. game, and it all it's all back to square one, like right there. I don't wish it on him. I don't wish it on Doc. I just think right. that there can be a parting of the ways there. Philadelphia, the Sixers can get on with what you know what they're trying to do, which is win a championship, and Ben Simmons can get on with his career. I, I just think that now we look for so many things to be – you know, hot takes and remedies through, you know, I, I don't believe in it. I, I just think he needs a fresh start. Well, and I, I, and I appreciate the call, Michael. Like, the, in, in terms of these playoffs, it's been so much fun to watch. And seeing the fans back in the building has been terrific. And my favorite, my favorite shot of the playoffs so far was caught by, I guess, a fan in the stands in Phoenix, <laughs> just taking the camera. Fans are going crazy to the right and to the left. There's you. And Stephen A, I think was Stephen A had like a cup of coffee or something like that, or you had the coffee. And I know there's no cheering in the press box or anything, but you, 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 your jaws were just like hitting the floor. I love that. That was that was phenomenal. Oh my god, that was phenomenal on the valley. You know, it just uh, tonight is going to be so interesting there, Rich. But that was it's you can't. I mean, I was screaming at Stephen A in the moments leading up to the play, right? Before the inbounds, during the interminable timeouts that came in that oh, game. That's right. That, that, that made 90 seconds take 33 minutes. Mm-hmm. I was screaming at Stephen A, eight into the rim. It's eight into the rim. And he was saying, no, you can still go to Booker. I'm like, I'd be happy to go to Booker with a full, you know, two seconds left. But eight into the rim, eight into the rim. I'm screaming it. It doesn't mean I think it's going to actually work and win the game. It's just what you, you know, you're sitting there drawing it up like you're. Talking to like like you and I are now. This could have been you and me on a text chain yeah, or on the sure. phone, right? And I, and I'm screaming eight into the rim, and it's just so shocking to have it happen in that building in that way and that noise in that way. It wasn't a West Coast building in that moment. 
I mean, people can act if they want, like all the buildings sound loud at the end. They don't. Madison Square Garden, Boston, Philly, Chicago, Detroit, they don't sound the same as L.A. and Phoenix. They don't. They sound exponentially louder and more desperate and more frantic. And they're not cheers. They're screams in those buildings. And that's how Phoenix sounded in this absence of, you know, championship or even playoff basketball. We're showing the shot right there. We just showed the shot right there. There's still the YouTube. So did you at least, before I let you go, did you at least turn to Steven and go, I told you? Did you give him a, no, he he said it actually. We we immediately went on the air, Rich. And I don't know if we were on with Scott Van Pelt first or we were on, no, I I guess we were on uh, the the, the LA Sports Center first with Stan. And, Stephen A. said, I just had Wilbon screaming in my ear. I'm almost deaf now, eight into the rim, which I, I, I did. I got that part right, but I love it. the rest of it is like, oh, my goodness, what else can happen? That's what I'm saying, Rich. Don't rule out drama tonight. Okay. I just think there's something left in this alley fight of a series that we're going to tomorrow be reacting to. I don't even know. I'm not even going to have a prediction tonight. I don't know. I just think there's more drama. Tonight. I'll be tuned in tonight, Michael. Thanks for the time. Greatly hey, appreciate man, it. You for having me. As always. Well. You know, I appreciate it. Please. I, I cherish this. I really do. Thanks for the call, Michael. That's, All right, do well. You bet. You too. That's Michael Wilbon, everybody. The real Mike Wilbon on Twitter. He's a must-follow. Lots to talk about right there. 844-204-RICH. Number to dial. We will take your phone calls and set up our third and final hour right here on The Rich Eisen Show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. To be quite honest, it, even just in the last few years, yes. the team that gets that President's Trophy, it, it, it's it's not a great thing. Right. <laughs> it really is not that great a thing, especially in the playoffs. It is a streaky, luck-based system, practically, yes. in terms of clicking at the right time, uh, uh, hitting your peak at the right time, because it is the, the Stanley Cup playoffs, they are grueling. Have you, Colin Hanks, ever drank from the cup? I have. Oh my gosh! And it Talk was. Talk to me about it. It was. What did, what did you? May I ask what you drank from the cup? 
Uh, I'm pretty sure it was like a Molson Ice mm-hmm. or something, you know, some Canadian brew. I'm yes, sure it had to be Canadian. Brew, uh, right? Yeah, um, no, mm-hmm. it was it was absolutely incredible. I mean, when your team finally wins the Stanley Cup and you- and you've spent your entire life rooting for that team, yes, and then it happens, a you you, you cry like you, the little kid you were when you went to your first game. Right. My wife took photos, of course. Yes. Um, luckily, they have been deleted. They have been deleted. Yes, they absolutely. never made it to um, But then when you actually here. get a moment, you know, to be able to just see the Stanley Cup in person yes. and, and, and then, you know, one of the players goes, hey, you want to drink out of it? I mean, it's, it's just, it's, you're, it's giddy. It's now, just childhood You're not joy. allowed to have it. You didn't, you're not allowed to Tip it yourself, though, right? That's the player the, tips it. Who yep. tipped it for you? Uh, Andre Kopit- Uh No. Well, Andre did. I drank from it a few times, if I'm being oh. quite honest. <laughs> on a few How different many occasions. How yachts are you water skiing behind, it, sir? No, it was Dustin Penner uh, was the first time. Dustin Dustin Penner was, was and, the and first and time. And, was then, the and then Kopi did the second time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, when you're around the cup, there are rules. Oh, very serious there rules. There are rules. Very serious rules. In you, fact, and the, only, and the only one you can't hoist it either, right? Unless you've won it or correct. As as I understand it, it you know, it, people say you can't hoist it over your head and right. shoulders unless you're a player, but right. that's obviously not true because uh, you know the equipment managers, the head coaches, sure, a lot of them do that. So I think it's it's an organizational type. Uh, a role. You, you have to have some role within that organization to be able to do it, but they're, they're probably not going to let Jim from accounting do that. <laughs> um, unless Jim, he's a really Jim. great guy. It sounds like office space. Yeah, Jim, yeah. Um, we're just, um, you know, did you get the memo? <laughs> yeah. So again, for mere mortals, no hoisting, no tipping, but drinking is absolutely good. And you did that. Yeah, I did it. Colin Hanks going to join us next hour telling us some tales of the 93 Cup between the Kings and the Canadian and how the Canadian are back in the Stanley Cup final for the first time since then and have a curse, apparently, over the entire country of Canada. That's coming up on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH. Number to dial right here on NBC Sports on Peacock. Golden is an in-depth look at the country's top gymnasts. It's a Peacock original. Golden, go behind the scenes with the athletes as they compete for four spots on Team USA's Olympic roster. The new docuseries Golden streaming right now, right here on Peacock, PeacockTV.com. They get started, and you see us every day as well. The journey of USA's elite gymnasts, Golden, a Peacock original. Let's go back to the phone lines. Michael in Detroit, you're here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's up, sir? Rich, how's it going? How are you? I'm doing good. Um, so you were talking, like, early when I first tuned in, you were talking about how uh, NBA reviews take about 30 minutes to get one call right. So I don't know if it's just me, but when I'm at home and they show that replay and I look and I say, oh, it's out of bounds or, oh, that's a foul. Why don't the NBA hire someone for every game that's on to do that? Somebody. So every time a review happens, instead of the refs on the floor reviewing it, they put on the headset and somebody says, yep, that was a foul, here's the clock. That's a minute process because they're already reviewing it, and then we get right back to the game. Well, I mean, they, they do have – there is central officiating. That's who they're talking to on the headsets. They're going back and forth, and that's, you know, what what – what the NFL does now for certain they're, they're, they're not reviewing the film with somebody with the NFL front office. They are sometimes going over 
uh, adjudicating down and distance and and time clock and whatever that they are getting some assistance from Central New NFL on that. Uh, it's just, but they're trying. But there, there is somebody that's back there, and there is somebody that's that that buzzes the referees. They were stopping play to take a look at it in the final two minutes. I just don't know why they did not. Maybe they looked at it and thought that it wasn't off of pain. It was off Batum. But to me, and thank you for the call. It's the same damn thing that they stopped the game for in game two with Patrick Beverly and Booker, and that took forever. And I think the NBA might have seen that and saying we're not that's one thing we're not doing anymore. Because they could literally stop the game almost on every possession. You know? You could literally stop the game on every possession Everything. because Everything. because you could say for every drive to the basket, there is a possible right. foul. And if you can stop to see was there an actual foul on the play, if you can reverse a block and turn it into a charge which is how devin booker yeah, exactly got, the booker play yesterday well, yeah that's how devin booker got you know fouled out disqualified yeah. then you could literally stop it on every yeah. single down like if the nfl you could back in the day except for the one uh year if you could stop and call a foul through replay you could do that every single play in the final two minutes of a football game. Every single play. Just imagine if the last 90 seconds of the NBA game took 30 minutes. Imagine the last two minutes of the Super Bowl, how long that would take. And we came on the air and said that it's it was a, it was awful that it took 33 minutes to play awful. the last 90 awful. seconds. And I think the NBA heard that, and they might have basically said we're not that I, that play we're not doing anymore. I don't think you're That's right the only thing that. I could I think, think of is why right. would they not have stopped the game to look at something that was almost a carbon copy of what we saw the two games previous. So the Clippers get screwed twice. The first well, time the Clippers they, screwed, you, but because they couldn't make a damn shot. Well, I mean, I, the number I, of times that they could have taken the lead in that fourth yeah, quarter. Granted, we we couldn't. Hit the I can't side believe of the, the Clippers never led in that game. The number of times that they brought the ball up, having an opportunity to take yeah, the lead, was, and then did not. It was. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but, so, you know, we, we lose the, the one game. We get the 30-minute review, which gives them a chance to set up this value-oop, so we lose. And then this other play that you're talking about, they don't look when the ball's off of a Phoenix player. They don't check that, so we end up losing the game because of that. So it's I just don't think it's our time. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, and then I, I didn't dispute <laughs> what, what – um, Michael Wilbon had to say about how tough the the Clippers are. They are. They are tough. Yeah, I mean, they're the deepest Clipper team that we've we've ever seen here. They are tough. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've lived here eighteen years. I've never seen a team look like this. A Clipper team, you know, and that when they had the big three, the question was who's coming off the bench, you know, yeah. and, and 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 you know, Canard makes plays. There's a bunch of guys who make plays for this team. The other problem is we just. You know, he he mentioned how loud it is in Phoenix. The Clippers just can't get a true home court advantage. Like, if you watch these games and you listen to the crowd, at some point I forget who's the home team when they're at Staples. Because as Chris, we talked well, about last week, you have Lakers fans who go to the games, who go to, to, the games the to actively root against I know. the Clippers. <laughs> how like, twisted is that? I don't like the Lakers, but you know who doesn't live in my head? The Lakers. Oh, I hope you lose. Boom, I'm done. <laughs> but I've got friends who are Laker fans who go on their Instagram stories, and now all of a sudden you're a Suns fan? 
Like, <laughs> and didn't they prosecute the whole to column get to this it, is, it is psychotic. It's ridiculous. It is psychotic. That's the only, it's a sports psychosis. And I say that fully copping to the fact that I'm a Yankee fan and I've been water skiing behind a lot of yachts. And I can't stand the Mets. Yeah, you'd never root for No, them. I know that. Yeah. But I, but if the Mets make the World Series, I'm not like suddenly becoming a diehard Royals fan like yeah, I did right? a few years right, ago. Right, like, that's right, crazy right. as a Yankee fan. Suddenly I'm rooting for the Royals. I and mean, that's nuts. That's nuts. You know? Nick Taturo, Colin Hanks, coming up hour three. I, I, I do want to hit uh, that a little bit more because Bill Plaschke did write a he column here in Los Angeles right, Times yeah. and quoted a whole bunch of Laker fans who sounded like total... Complete lunatics. Like I would not want to. There was one Laker fan towards the end who was like, you know, what's what's it against the? You know, I'm fine with the Clippers winning. You know, I don't root for them, but it is still Los Angeles. The rest of them were just lunatics. Total, yeah. complete lunatics. Producers in this town, other people in this town. I guess Plasky knew and had, you know, and obviously you can write an article in any endeavor, sports, obviously politics these days, where you can get as many crazy fringe people as you want and and paint an entire community it with a broad brush through these people's quotes i understand that but i wouldn't have wanted to be any of those laker fans <laughs> no, no. in that in that column it sounded ridiculous it, yeah. it sounded completely ridiculous. and again I, I i was a yankee fan in college in the 86 world series when it was the mets and the red sox and each play i wanted something horrible to happen for both teams and unfortunately it was only one team it could have, have something horrible happen to them each right. time um but that was just me as a yankee fan going through a stretch where we didn't we hadn't won. We hadn't won like since 1978 and we didn't make the world series in 80, despite having a great team. And in 81, we made it in the strike shortened year and, and lost to the Dodgers. And then it was a, a dark period. You know, the only bright light was tomorrow's second hour guest and Donald Arthur Mattingly, you know? And, and so I was kind of beginning to sense that things weren't going the Yankees way and it was really getting me upset. But these Laker fans, you won last year. You have got generationally talented players coming out of your ears literally every other year. You know, like, what is your malfunction? They just want the Clippers to just stay losers forever? But how do you not look at a team like this team, like Reggie Jackson stepping up the way that he's stepping up? How do you not look at that? How do you not look at somebody like Reggie Jackson in this town, in Los Angeles, that's the name of the town across your chest, the laundry that you're rooting for, to use the phrase that Seinfeld says, and the way that he's playing out of his skull, like, you have a problem with him? Like, you take him in in purple and gold in a heartbeat. You'd rather have him than Kuzma, probably. I mean, you probably have like a couple of these players in the Clippers. Yeah. I mean, if you uh, if you are a lover of the sport of basketball, you've got to respect what the Clippers are doing. Not like play. getting a ticket to openly root against them in their in, on their court. That's insanity, <laughs> right? Insanity. Insanity. What is your malfunction? Yeah, and again, I'm a I'm it. a Yankee fan who can't stand the Mets. Okay, Colin Hanks, Nick Tituro coming up, Hour 3.